Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Creative control, creative control Comedy, art, and sometimes rock and roll Let's do a public opinion poll Raise your hand if you love creative control Cause when Vish is unleashed, well you... Oh, sorry, I didn't see you there I was just working on a tribute song to my favorite podcast, Creative Control, with Vish Khanna. My name is Matthias, and I play in a band called The Burning Hell, but more importantly, I support Creative Control on Patreon, and I think you should too. Quality, long-form arts journalism is like a magical talking unicorn. It definitely exists, but it can be really hard to find. Fortunately for us, Vish makes it easy with hundreds of funny, thought-provoking, well-researched and engaging interviews with artists from all over the world. Your flexible monthly donation on Patreon will get you plenty of special exclusive treats and help Vish keep his podcast well-fed and cared for properly, the way a magical unicorn deserves. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Nick Thorburn is a gifted and prolific musician, songwriter, singer, artist, and producer currently based in Los Angeles, California. Originally from British Columbia, Thorburn first came to prominence 20 years ago as a founding member of the influential Montreal-based band The Unicorns. He subsequently started a new band called Islands, who have released nine critically acclaimed albums since 2006. The latest Islands record is called And That's Why Dolphins Lost Their Legs, a buoyant 
pop record with dark contemporary lyrical themes, which was released by Elf Records on August 25th, 2023. Nick and I caught up again recently to discuss things like the uh, 2023 writers and actors strike in Hollywood and the state of artistic industries, like making music, his past work scoring projects like the podcast Serial and other means of pivoting in the modern age, the fact that And That's Why Dolphins Lost Their Legs is the middle section of a planned trilogy that exhibits themes of joy, doom, and a post-apocalyptic future. Artists like John Lennon, who add a bit of darkness to otherwise sunny tunes. Cultural exploitation and why the cure is Robert Smith is a hero. Nick's penchant for living near oceans and water and recurring and wet motifs in the work of islands. Why he started making beats for artists like Fat Tony, touring again, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners just like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at the Creative Control Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash creative control. That is the primary source of revenue for all of the work that goes into making this podcast for you. So if you have the means and the time, please consider supporting the show at our Patreon. Thank you. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 801 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Nick Thorburn from Islands, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. I don't think I can stay. Hey, Nick, how's it going? It's good, Vish. How are you? I'm well. It's nice to see you again. It's been a while. Uh, where in the world are you, first of all? I'm in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. Nice. How are things going in uh, Los Feliz and Los Angeles these days? You know, fine. Same as ever. Same as it ever was. <laughs> we, uh, we are hearing a lot about Los Angeles in the news a lot lately, it seems, uh, and I was thinking about you because you uh, you've made films, you've dabbled in the industry. Are you engaging at all with the uh, the strike that's going on as we're speaking? No, I'm on the side of the studios. <laughs> I'm a scab. Yeah, I've been doing some backdoor dealings. Um, there's a large inflatable rat outside my window, unfortunately. I thought but, that 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 seems about right. That seems about your character. <laughs> I think AI is cool. Yeah, it's cool as hell. Uh, no, I'm down. I'm I'm down for the cause, of course. I think the residuals thing. You know, I can relate to that that plight of uh, these kind of streaming, the streaming situation where residuals just get there's there's just no residuals, and so you you license a song for a Netflix show, and it's like it's not like you're getting that every time it's played. You're not getting any incremental payment. And it's not right. It's not correct. But obviously there's there's just like the, these people just don't want to pay. They don't want to pay. So yeah. they got they got to go. They got to go. As a, <laughs> as a musician, uh, uh-huh. 
you, you, I would think you'd be quite familiar with this sensation, uh, because music streaming, I feel like was the entry point into where we're at right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think music is always some years ahead of film. It's the way like it was with Napster and all that. It's just a smaller file size. So it's easier to pirate. And so this, this technology, it, 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 it catches up. And so, yeah, I'm seeing this is a plight that, yeah, musicians have faced years before, but musicians are too strung out and dope sick to organize. <laughs> See, um, <laughs> my friends who are musicians uh, over the last 10, yeah. 10, 15 years, I noticed lots more pivoting. Uh, they yeah. they would get into uh, your friend and mine who I finally got to see for the first time in many years, Jim Guthrie. I was in Ontario mm. recently. People like Jim, you know, would go into licensing, syncing, uh, writing songs yeah. for uh, for television or writing things for film, uh, video games. So I guess I wonder where these film people are going to go. What else could we? What else could they? We, they do. They're they're making AI. They're making everything so that they don't need people. What's next, Nick? I feel like you know the future. What else can they make us do? Yeah, I don't know. We're <laughs> gonna be working. We're gonna be working in these like deep underground in these mines. It's just building like whatever the finding whatever mineral these these robots are require to. It, sustain energy yeah i'm sorry i didn't have a real question there i just noticed that we're all pivoting constantly and no one gets to do what they actually want to do that's yeah i I think that's where i'm at it's depressing yeah the only thing i'm sinking is uh deeper into debt (laughs) over here (laughs) not sinking any songs but yeah i i don't know the i i I don't i don't know i'm not sure I, i i think we were promised a better a future where the machines would do all the drudgery, you know, all of the the busy work, yeah. and would free us up to be able to do, to be creative. But obviously, we were lied to. Mm-hmm. Um, Silicon Valley, man they they've they've been maybe the most harmful, sec- secretly, you know. Well, all the stuff that uh, we use, yeah, I agree with you. I thought. Uh that's a weird thing because I think some of it has made us uh, better, made things better, and a lot of it has fucked us up. And, uh, you know, I don't mean to get all bleak here uh, because we're going to be talking about your cheery new album. Yes. <laughs> it's true. It's a good segue. It's, it's, let's, get, let's get positive. Not a bad segue. Uh, congratulations on this record. And, and that's why dolphins lost their legs. Uh, it's very brilliant. Uh, well done, Nick, if I might say, first of all. Thank you, Vish. Yeah, no, it's great. I I will say you've done the thing uh, that I marvel at is uh, when uh, someone makes something that uh, sounds and feels kind of upbeat and poppy, and then you delve into what's being said, and then you're like, "Uh oh, uh, this is how I felt." I was like, "Oh no, Nick is as sardonic and cynical as I tend to be, but it's really mm. upbeat and fun, funny." You know, I mean, I said sardonic, so that is a neat a neat trick in itself uh and i'll get to that in a moment let's get to maybe where your mindset was at uh as you conceived of uh, this music because uh i also understand uh it was the making of this record was precipitated by uh another semi-retirement is that right were you going to leave this all behind again 
Not again. Uh, no, in 2016, I, I took a, a long sabbatical. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was kind of just finished with music. And so this record, it, it was kind of conceived simultaneously with Isla Mania, the last album. Yeah. There was kind of a yin and a yang happening, I guess. The cocaine and the ketamine or the, the Saturday night, Sunday morning, this kind of up and down dynamic that I knew that this would kind of be the counterpoint, this record. It would kind of be the response to Isla Mania's like kind of exuberance or whatever I was trying to tap into just to try to find the joy in, in music again. Right. But yeah, the song I always play is it, it, it's the, it's the part parlor trick I always do, I guess, uh, since the days of yore, since the unicorns days is making a song that on its face feels very inviting and harmonious. But then when you listen a little closer the lyrics are pretty bleak. Um, I've always loved that uh, conflict, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of your sense of humor too. I would think, uh, if I may be reductive about it, that's where your that's where your humor tends to go. Yeah, I guess so. It's a bit a little bait and switch, you know, lure you in with uh, a sonorous, you know, melodious melody, and then. <laughs> Um, that was a bit of a tautology. Uh, and then, um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then pull the rug out from under you. I think that's fun. I think that's a fun yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. So again, uh, I think the, 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 the point where you were maybe going to be taking a, a long extended break, maybe we covered this because you were on this show to talk about Island Mania. Right. And, uh, so sorry, did you say that? You wrote the two records uh, around the same time or no? No, I mean, there was a rolling process of writing. Like it just, this record, uh, some songs were written at the same time. Some songs were even recorded at the same time, uh, or at least began, I began the process. This was a slow, methodical kind of tinkering in the lab sort of thing where I was working with Patrick Ford, the producer, and we were... I would, you know, I would record at home where I am now. I would do these very extensive home recordings. I would get it as far as I could. And then I would bring it to him. And that really was a pro, a product of, you know, in, in records past, Evan and Jordy, uh, and Adam have both been there from the beginning, like from the jump, not necessarily of the writing process, but of the recording process. I might have had demos made, but we would be all working together uh, to flesh out the songs. But this time, you know, there was the COVID thing, but there was also just like life just happens. And um, so I was I was kind of tinkering at, at, on the songs and building them up. And then it was very piecemeal, I guess. So Evan and Jordy would come in and I'd, I'd like... I'd get them to, we were doing it in lots of different studios. I was getting when they were in town or they'd come into town and we'd, I'd get them to do stuff. And, but it, it took on its own shape. So it was, it was definitely, um, less of a band record, I think. And you can probably hear that, but a, an experiment, I suppose. And different in that way than Isla Mania because we did work on those songs, um, in a studio together and then tinker with them. This was almost the reverse. It was, I worked on them 
alone and then drop, had them drop in and play on top of. So it was kind of the inverse in every way, uh, this record from the last record. It's, it's really the, the counterpoint, yeah, counterbalanced. So when, when did you kind of, I'm just trying to parse out uh, the thematic connections or relationship, I should say, between Islomania and this record. When did you think, you know what? I did a Saturday night record. I need to do a Sunday morning coming down record. When did that occur to you? I mean, I'm always writing songs. I have a third. We we actually recorded a third record. Uh, or If this is a so-called trilogy, I guess it would be the 10th record. But we were up in BC this year to make a, another record that I'm going to hopefully release next year. Completely different. Um, all of us in the room playing together. Uh, as a band, singing live, like looking at each other, just all very, very, oh, cool. very in the moment, in the room. I wanted to do the opposite of this. So it was a pivot, really. But so all to say, like, I'm always writing songs. I always have songs. And so I'm always conceptualizing how they're going to fit, how, what, what is the theme of the record? What is the concept? And so I think very, very early on during Isla Mania, I knew that there would be a response record. I knew that there would be I see. Okay. a follow up to this, to Isla Mania. And it would be this kind of grim response. So potentially you, you dropped the, the, the T word trilogy, no pressure from me. Everyone heard it. I didn't say, you should make a trilogy. You brought this on yourself. Yeah. So you've gone, hey, let's uh, go out uh, clubbing. Then now you're down to like, oh, that was a mistake and everything sucks. Where, where, what do you have a sense? I know it's early days. I don't want to let any cats out of the bags. What is the third installment mood wise? You say it's completely different and all that kind of stuff, but yeah would you have a sense emotionally What's sonically like? it's very different yeah. uh it's 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 a very very fun record but it's a post-apocalyptic record it is the rubble has cleared and this is the world we are now inhabiting um so it's kind of pulling from the same sort of darkness but it's finding the light i mean this this album ends Dolphins ends with the song Up the Down Staircase, which is this glimmer of hope, this idea that in the darkness you can kind of climb your way out and and find the exit. And so it's the one moment of like relief, I think, in this album that is pretty much extensively and relentlessly down. And so so if, if there's finally this moment at the end where where you feel some sense of hope. And so I think that's where the third record is leading mm. to. Okay. Yeah. Um, for those who haven't heard the the new album yet, is the sense of hope that you describe, uh, beyond other things uh, about that song, is it exemplified at all by the saxophone solo? Saxophone <laughs> solos can be a harbinger of joy. Uh, that's, yes. that's what we look to them as, as a society. Uh, is, that, yeah. is that what you were thinking? Yeah. It is exactly what I was thinking. It's just pure, um, it's a party horn, you know, it's what we, it's what we think of when, when people are partying. It's, um, yeah. it's the time to, to dance, uh, to boogie. The song was, you know, in the lyrics, I'm, I'm referencing a violin. Like I walked out to violins, kind of like this coronation. Like I've, yeah. there's finally been, whether I've been like 
feted or 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 celebrated or it's just been this kind of almost angelic release like i've i've been released into uh out of my body um but it felt a little on the nose to have a violin come in there so the the joke was was that we used Casey Butler this amazing sax player we actually used a take uh of from another song on the record that happened to fit the the key of the oh. and it just worked worked beautifully this like sax solo it was just perfect so yeah and i, I just want to say like uh, i'm i'm not even i wasn't being that facetious it did stick out to me that this album like i say that is a bit of a roller coaster of emotion because as we've already uh, suggested sort of sonically it comes across as, you know, I don't know how you feel about this fellow, this character, Nick, but uh, John Lennon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John, Great guy. He used to do a thing in the, in the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, I know this, uh, whatever. I I admired him a long time. But uh, yeah, he would be like famously, he talked about how on that song, uh, Getting Better, Yeah, Paul McCartney had all the kind of sort of upbeat verses and he came through with all the sarc- sort of sarcastic, like, it can't get much worse, like that kind of stuff. Right. And there's songs here, like, uh, whatchamacallit here, it's called, uh, And All You Can Do Is Laugh. And I was like, oh, I really feel like a Beatles-y, like that weird melancholy, uh, sunshiny melancholy. I don't know how else, mm-hmm. I'm just making up genre signifiers. <laughs> anyway, I feel like, uh, is he is he someone that you admire the Beatles or John Lennon? Um, you know, it's funny. I did the Beatles never, I never like had a true connection with them. I felt like there was nothing left for me by the time I was aware of them. And I think I, the very first record I bought at a yard sale when I was like five for like 25 cents was some kind of Beatles compilation record at a flea mart, you know, at like some in the country, it was just some like yard sale or something. And so I had this peripheral awareness and my parents, my parents weren't huge on music. Like they had, they had some music playing, but it was, you know, sometimes it was just the radio or the few cassette tapes we had in the car, but I didn't get really exposed to the Beatles. So I never felt like there was room for me there, but weirdly John Lennon's solo stuff kind of hit me at a period of, in time I was like 11 or something. And it just, it just, uh, it got to me. And so, yeah, I do think there's a little bit of, I did eventually come around to the Beatles, obviously, and, uh, Paul McCartney and his solo work, of course, which I love. And I found my way into it. I found my, my place to it. But yeah, John Lennon's, uh, I, I like his approach. I, I think, yeah, I mean, I watched Let It Be and I don't, he seemed kind of annoying to me. Like, he's oh, get, ba- get, get sorry, back, get back, me. get like, back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's just trying to be, he's, I just don't think he was that funny. I thought he was be a, kind of a, an annoying guy to be around. So I, I, but look, I love those songs. I do. The, the, yeah. there's so many, but I almost, yeah, I prefer his solo work, a lot of it to, to the Beatles stuff. Well, his solo work is interesting because he's fully committing to confronting his depression. Yeah. Uh, and his sadness and trying to exercise it, if you will, or, or actually, uh, deal with it. And again, I don't, this is not meant to be a, 
Well, what are we? This is a podcast. This is therapy. This is modern day therapy. therapy. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) No, I'm just when I think about your lyrics here, and I want to go back to what I was saying because I don't know if we got there about your mindset. Like, I appreciate artistically that you thought I went up, I'm going to go down now. Mm. But in all honesty, you know, I mentioned Los Angeles has been in the news about the uh, SAG uh, after strike there. Uh, I don't know, like a week or two ago, Hurricane was yeah. trending. Mm-hmm. Um, hurricane and earthquake in California. Very unusual. I'm calling you from Alberta. Above me in North, I just took in my uh, cousin and, and his kids who had to evacuate Yellowknife because right. of wildfires. Your home province of British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Wildfires. Is this stuff? Sorry. I can only assume you're a human being. You have feelings. Uh, you read the news. Yeah. Well, I don't, inf- well yeah, I'm going to pretend you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to pretend you're very uh, knowledgeable about world events. Is that kind of stuff informing um, the lyrics on this particular record that we're talking about today? I mean, sure, that stuff trickles in. I, I just feel like it's an easy impulse to give into this, this, this doomsday kind of mentality. I think it's easier to feel hopeless than to look for solutions or, you know, and I think human beings are very resilient and we do find ways to survive and I I am hopeful. And so I have to have a shred of that, but I think, yes, I think this is a sort of a release valve, this record. I'm able to get out these kinds of feelings in a kind of controlled setting. Um, I was going to say, so given everything that we've been talking about and and what's happening in the world and what you're writing about, like the first two songs, again, I'm just going to make sure I have the titles correct here. Life's a joke and all you can do is laugh. It's yeah. almost a sentence. It, it it's is. almost a sentence. It is, it is a sentence. Is that, yeah. is, is that deliberate? Is that a deliberate thing? No, it's not. Of course it's deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it's deliberate. So, yeah. so my thing uh, lately, I will say, like, as in spite of all the chaos, yeah, I'm kind of calm because I kind of am like, yeah, that email thing that five years ago would have bothered me for a day. Nothing matters. Like yeah. On some level, it doesn't matter as much now that everything's kind of put into scale and perspective. Does that resonate with you? Um, deeply, yes. I think I think the world is. I think it's why you see. These trends of like adults acting like babies, this like adulting thing where they, they, there's this like trend of museums turning into daycare centers, you know, these like Instagram inspired museums and things. It's, I I think it's a bleak thing though to run away and, and chase that and go into this kind of, turn in and, and regress. I think we have to keep going, but I think you get these, you get these little moments of um, relief. I certainly do where, yeah, you kind of throw your hands up and you say, fuck the world. <laughs> well, I think the other, the offshoot of this terrible time where uh, uh, pandemics and climate change are at the fore is I think it's actually led to a, a deeper thoughtfulness and scrutiny of capitalism. I don't mean to sound like a university student, uh, in, uh, but... I don't know. Like, as you look around, Nick, do you see people being like, yeah, fuck it. I'm not going to work that shitty job anymore. Yeah, money is important, but I'm not going to do stuff that wastes my time. Like, I, I, I see that a lot, that sentiment a lot. Like the reality of needing 
money to live is obviously inescapable, but yeah. I'm just seeing a lot more resistance to, again, we're talking about a major strike that has been going on for some time. This like, yeah, fuck it. Like it, it doesn't make sense. So we're going to fight it. Uh, do, do you see that like a heightened sort of entrenchment about what matters and what doesn't in every regard, material conditions, you know, these sorts of things? I think people are fed up. I don't think they're fed up enough. I think we could stand to be a little more outraged. I also feel like as fed up as we are, it's not just that level of disengagement is not going to change anything. I think we need to do something more. I'm not a, I have political views, but I'm not using my music as a, as a outlet for that. Mm. I, I don't I don't think art should change the world. I don't think it can. I think it can ch change how we see the world, but I don't think it's the thing that's going to change the world. So I'm not trying to, you know, respect to those that do write, you know, political torch songs or whatever. That's not what I'm doing. It's, it's something a little more abstracted, I guess. But yeah, I think people are fed up and I think... They should be. I think, I don't think it's going to change necessarily. I think we are completely choked out. I think the, the big studios that are going up against the WGA and the SAG, I think they're teaching a lesson. I think they're making this hard. I think they're choking out these people so that they'll never do it again. They're going to make them work for it. They'll probably bend to their will, their demands, but they're going to make them pay for it, mm. you know? Yeah. So I, I, I don't feel optimistic, but again, that's a narcotic that I think is dangerous to ingest. I think we, we need to, we can't, if we just believe that the world is doomed, I don't think that we're going to last for very long. The, the the thing I'm struggling with is that uh, people like me and and people like you are drawn to creativity, whether it's our own or to others. I think mm. to some extent to kind of get through, to get through the bullshit mm. uh, of life, you know. And uh, sometimes when I talk to people about comedy, I'm like, well, most of the comedy I like is laughing in the face of death and destruction and that's the main premise really like yeah staving off despair um so when the attack comes to creativity uh as it is in the strike we're talking about and in the way all these streaming platforms are treating um artists i don't know how to frame this exactly other than to ask you what actually prompts you to be optimistic you just said you're not optimistic what cheers you up did, did coming up with this record and all that stuff in the face of all the obstacles involved, is it enough these days for you to keep making records and, and do things and feel good about it? Or is it as fruitless as anything else we're kind of going through? I'm, I'm asking this of you from a very personal point of view as someone who makes things and wants to make things uh, in this climate. Um, is it enough? Uh, what else? And if it's not, what else? What else kind of cheers you up, Nick? I want I want people to be cheered up by this conversation, <laughs> and I'm struggling because uh, sometimes I get in these, I fall holes. down these holes. Yeah, yeah. pits. They're, they're not yeah. even holes. They're pits. So anyway, what, can you speak to that? Is is your work actually fulfilling you? And if not, 
or rather, I'm, I'm thinking it is, what else is there in the world that, that, that keeps you happy, keeps you light? Well, the music is nourishing on a deep level. Making the music, it brings me complete joy. Recording, writing the songs, other outlets, other expressions of creativity. Drawing is like this very personal kind of meditative experience for me where I can just kind of fall into the the page and, and lose time. The problem is that while music making might be really fulfilling on an emotional mental level financially it's it's only becoming increasingly unstable for me so i'm not sure what that is going to look like after this next record i don't know if i have the capital to invest this much time into something it's been a real privilege that i've had you know 20 years to make art for fun and live off of it in some on some meager level, but I don't think, I don't think that's sustainable. So I don't know. I'm, and I, I'm worried about where I'm going to find that fulfillment and that joy in other parts of life. The idea of getting a real job sounds like hell on earth to me. But what would the real job (laughs) even, what would the real job even be? Like, that's where I have a real job. Uh, I just took, I, I left a job and I got a real job, another real job. But like, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, this isn't meant to also be a guidance counselor meeting. You'll figure it out. I'm sure you're a talented guy. Help you're me, no, Vish. <laughs> you're also no stranger to pivoting. I mean, famously for me and for people who know, you got into kind of podcast scoring. Is that a way of describing what you've done? Um, it happened to me. I don't think I did oh, okay. anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like I've made this ambitious attempt to become a podcast guy and that's a pretty slight pivot it's making music and then someone asked me to do 30 seconds of music for the theme song of their wildly successful rocket ship podcast show and then from there i occasionally not lately but for many years was asked to score people's podcasts which was very helpful obviously financially does not bring me joy, I would say. It brings me money to pay my bills. And the thing that doesn't bring me joy, I have a hard time motivating myself. And that's even, and that's a good job. Like doing music for scoring stuff is great. Like I should be excited to do it, but I, I'm just so focused on my own. Yeah stuff that I, I have a hard time even that. So, so that even that as a job would be difficult, but then like going further down the, the scale, like, uh, you know, working in a bank or something, I would, I would probably sooner rob a bank than work inside one. Well, you heard it here first folks. Uh, if you're, there's ever an APB, uh, or whatever. Look for me. Look for yeah. me. By the way, for those who don't know, the rocket ship podcast that Nick was describing is called the Joe Rogan Experience. Is that what it was? I yes, remember. that's right. <laughs> yeah, thank you for noticing. It's very subtle, the music, but it's over top of an ad for creatine. But. You know, it's funny, that show you worked on, Serial, uh, is a game changer for the... It, it's why we're here, probably. I feel like podcasts were kind of dipping down, and then mm. that show, Serial... Not the Joe Rogan experience. Uh, I remember even when I was at the CBC, they're like, just before Serial took off, they're like, we're done. 
we don't know how to monetize this. Podcasts are fading away. And then yeah. for some reason, that show came about. Mm. And now, hmm. honestly, uh, I don't know what happened. So you were part of something really big there is, is all I'm getting at. I think you know that. Well, I was I was getting a free ride in a fast car, you know, but hey, I'll yeah. take it. Yeah, it was a it was a wild ride. Uh, and you're probably right. It probably re regalvanized or re-energized the medium, which for better or worse, I don't I think we're stat now starting to see the wheels fall off of it again. I know many people in podcasting who are laying off countless people and endless cutbacks because the the making a thing free is not sustainable making movies for uh, making like a library of movies for ten dollars is not sustainable giving every song you could ever want on a streaming service for ten dollars a month it's it's not sustainable those people no. are making money on Wall Street, the the shareholders, but the 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 streaming service itself is not bringing in the money. Right, the creative people involved, at least in the movie industry, as we've been discussing, are trying to get some of that money, more of that money. They're seeing yeah. what it is. Flip side to that, though, Nick, I'm sure you're aware of this, is the genuine belief that streaming statistics have been uh, exaggerated. And that's one of the reasons why the studios don't want to divulge the mm-hmm. true nature. Because people are like, well, give us a proper royalty rate. We want remuneration based on these streaming numbers you're talking about. That's what musicians want, too. And what we're finding is they're like, ah, it's actually not doing as well as we said. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. I know because think- they don't want to report that to their their shareholders because the, 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 mar- the, the stock price will dip and then yeah. the whole thing. It's all based on, look, it's, if you want to get university student about it, it's, it's a perfect example of capitalism, like using an inflated, you know, I'm not, I, I can't articulate it at this hour of the day, but forever probably, but it's a perfect uh, example of, of what happens in this, in the entire economic system, which is just, you basically pretend something is worth something. Yeah. To make money. I don't know. Whatever. I'm just a dumb rock star. I don't know. I just. <laughs> no, no, Nick. I ask you these questions because I know you're smart and you're following stuff. And uh, I don't think. Barely. You're, uh, barely. Uh, no, I think. I mean, I think the logical conclusion to what you were saying moments ago is that all these things will probably collapse. Um, because yeah, but I, I've seems- noticed. <laughs> yeah. I think not. But, no. Sorry. Go ahead. You, you mean like the well, streaming things? Well, I fundamentally think this, the streaming platforms are taking advantage of people's compulsions to create. Yeah. Not necessarily people's compulsions to consume said creations. Because people uh, uh, will say uh, in a folky way, like a folk tradition way, music will always exist. Whatever mm-hmm. happens with this, music's always going to happen. Mm-hmm. Whether it's house shows, alternative spaces... You know, I mean, mm-hmm. as we're speaking, Nick, I, uh, I'm going to go see, uh, Bob Dylan in Ontario in October. Mm. And all, all across my feeds are people saying, what the hell? I was up at 9.55 when the tickets went on sale at 10 a.m. I was a, th- a 3,000th in line, didn't get tickets. And now the same tickets that were a hundred bucks are selling for 2,000 bucks. This is another part of it. Like yeah. this weird, 
exploitation of people's good feelings. What I'm saying yeah. is, eventually, our compulsions to create and engage with stuff that we used to think was really fun and fulfilling, it's being attacked. It's being attacked constantly. And eventually, yeah. I will confess to you, uh, I'm eyeball. I don't have the fire to go to these shows anymore. Mm-hmm. Wu Tang Clan and Nas are playing in Edmonton, Edmonton, mm-hmm. Alberta. I should be like, you know, ten years ago, I'd be like, I'm definitely going to that. Now I'm like, eh, we'll see. I don't know. Mm-hmm. My fire mm-hmm. is gone because of all of the. Uh, sorry, is this too much? Is this too bleak? No, you no, feel we've it? been. I feel you. I think about it all the time. It, it something has changed. I mean, we've been, we've been robbed and. I think about it too, because I was, I remember the first concert I ever went to was Lollapalooza 94 in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And tickets were $20. And then I went in 97 in the Gorge, Washington to Lollapalooza and tickets were like $24 or something. Mm-hmm. And it's just that idea of that, that you could go see, you know, these great bands and artists that you, you, you love for that much money, you adjust that amount to, for inflation today. And it's nowhere near what, what people are. I mean, the entire world has become like a fire fest. It's VIP $700, this kind of bullshit they're selling you. Like, Oh, if you, if you pay a little more, you can have, uh, you can have a fucking champagne flute with, with, uh, whatever, some, asshole's face on it i I don't know it's just it's a complete sham and it's and i think we're just all too i don't know i I, i'm not gonna be the the yelling at the cloud guy right now i'm not um (laughs) i haven't gathered my my thoughts but i think about this stuff too and i think um i think it's disappointing that these artists are letting are letting their fans down and siding with yeah, Ticketmaster. Robert Smith didn't. Robert Smith took a stand for the for his fans, and I think, I think he should be. I think the Cure should be totally rewarded and 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 called out for for that because that was that was something that Taylor Swift and Bruce Springsteen, all these people, could be doing what Robert yeah. Smith was doing, and yeah. they didn't. Springsteen because they're fucking they're yeah. fucking selfish. They're fucking greedy. Everyone's trying to cash out for an uncertain future. Like, I, I really don't know sometimes, and I know this is going to sound really bad. You know, I got kids. I'm trying to be optimistic and look to the future. But mm-hmm. I'm like, what are we saving all this money for right now? Because mm-hmm. you used to save and save and save for the years. And I'm like, what's going to, what is there even going to be? Like, that's how my mindset mm-hmm. is. And if someone who is as impassioned a music Bunkers. fan. Yeah. But, yeah. I guess that is probably the true. Best Water. Water, probably saving water money bunker. for the water. Yeah. Uh-huh. I guess I'm saying if people like you and I, who I would argue are, and I don't want to speak on your behalf, are very impassioned music fans mm-hmm. and, and, and impassioned about art, are starting to feel these things. Like, what is what does that mean? Like, I, I don't know what it means, but it doesn't feel good. That I, who used to go to shows a few times a week if I could make it, mm-hmm. don't have the impulse anymore. Anyway... I think some of this cynicism is indirectly uh, swimming around, no pun intended, on your new record. Um, and that's where I'm kind of coming from, and I feel comfortable yeah. esp- espousing and lamenting with you today. Great. Uh, well, is that- 
Yeah, yeah. You you picked up. There's a there's a there's a sense of fatigue. I mean, the song like superstitious is just sort of it's begging to leave my. It's it's a, the character of the song, the narrator, just kind of begging to be to be released from the corporeal world and just have some kind of uh, some kind of relief you know yeah absolutely I, I i i know this is in the biographical information that i was sent but for those who don't uh, access such things do you mind talking a little bit about this uh, album's title and where it came from and that's why dolphins lost their legs it's a mouthful mm-hmm. it's, evo- it's evocative <laughs> uh it's sciencey can you talk a little bit <laughs> about where that came from and maybe in relation to maybe what we've just been talking about i think well, it's kind of a playful tongue-in-cheek title that sort of it's referring to this idea, this this uh, I guess evolutionary step um, in dolphins' existence, where they where they actually at one point did live on land, and so the joke is obviously that okay, dolphins li- lived in the ocean. Now I'm not saying this is scientifically accurate. This is just the funny picture that's that I'm trying to paint with this album title. Dolphins are swimming around. They get a sense of the world um, on land, and they, you know, they evolve to grow legs, and then they realize how shit it is, and they decide to go back to the sea. Mm. So, you know, it 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 works on a few levels for the band because. Uh, the first album is called Return to the Sea. So there's this yeah. kind of consistent theme of um, returning, going back to something in a me- as a means of kind of escape, I guess. You were raised in British Columbia, right? Yes. Living in California now. You're a coastal person. Yeah. Uh, do you coastal feel like elite. you have a coastal? Yeah, that's. I, I didn't want to say that. I thought that yeah. was demeaning. No, it's fine. Do you have any this I don't want to get too hokey about this, but you've chosen to uh be by the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh do you feel like you have any profound connection to being near the water, near the ocean, the expanse? I mean, no more than most people do, I think, that get a sense of calm when they look out and feel feel like they can see for miles. Um and it's just flat. The funny thing is most people look at the ocean but really they're looking at the sky. I mean, no one's really thinking about what's going on underneath there too. So there's, there's a lot at play, but I'm sure that's baked in to me growing up, being near water, feeling really a sense of calm, a sense of, uh, safety. Is Montreal the only time you've ever really lived living in Montreal? I mean, is that the most, uh, inland you've ever lived? Yeah, but Montreal's an island. So, Oh, that's true. Okay, so, I, of course, I, and and well, I lived in Brooklyn. That's on Long Island. So, right, until right. I moved to California, I'd always lived on an island. Um, but yeah, Montreal was probably the most landlocked. I guess, yeah. As far as have I just cracked? The, have I cracked the code? Is that why the band is called Islands? You just like islands? Um, that was kind of an unconscious thing, actually. I wasn't. Oh, okay. I wasn't actively trying to like honor my living on an island my entire life. It was <laughs> it, to me. It, it was what it evoked. It, it kept. It kind of was vague enough that you could apply it to anything. I like band names 
Well, I think every, every band name is kind of bad until it mixes in with the music and then it, you forget about it. I mean, Nine Inch Nails is a Smashing Pumpkins. These are good examples of band names that are pretty terrible. But once the music bleeds into it, you, you forget. You, the words lose their meaning and that's kind of a beautiful thing. So for me, I liked it seemed like a good canvas for the music uh, islands that I could um, get. It could kind of go anywhere. It could be atmospheric. It could be experimental. It could be you know, tropical. You mentioned some bands who don't often or never really did allude to their name as their careers went on. Mm. But you just alluded to the fact that (laughs) this record, your first record, it does kind of connect to the, to the name. So there's something intrinsic. I think I don't, we don't need to delve into it. I think you're right. A name is a name and then you move on with your life usually. Mm -hmm. But in your case, I don't know if you have completely. You named a thing, and now as the records go on, every once in a while you dip dip closer to the name. Does that make sense? Yeah, but again, I don't think these are conscious decisions. I think these are themes that I pull from that I like. Oh, okay. yeah. But I don't think I'm making this this uh, this quilt or this tapestry knowingly. I think it's happening next to me as I'm making it. Um, it's starting to kind of make sense, but we, we ascribe meaning to everything. So maybe nothing, maybe none of it means anything. There's a song on the new album called Pelican. Yeah. And, uh, the music reminds me of like, uh, Wu-Tang Clan, RZA. I like that. I will that. say that. Every time it comes on, I'm like, man, it'd be rad yeah. to hear like a remix yeah. with, uh, the Wu-Tang on this, anyone from Wu-Tang on it. Anyway, Pelicans. I, 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 that's an interesting hook. I don't quite understand it. I don't mean to focus on one song, but why not? We're talking about the ocean. We're talking about islands, pelicans. Mm. World famous for being a water-dwelling fowl. I, I might be using the wrong term. Well, where did that song kind of come from? I, 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 here's my, I'll just tell you real quick, my two cents. I feel like you just landed on a weird lyrical hook with the word and then you just followed that thread i'm speculating what happened there? you are incorrect no that there, there was there was a <laughs> <laughs> there was a feeling there was a real feeling there i was trying to convey with a relationship of a friendship that went by the wayside and i think i was i was trying to articulate that feeling um where you feel wronged and you feel hard done by but you just kind of you just sort of bottle it up to uh to cope, basically. I mean, I think this record is a lot about cope. And as far as the production stuff, that song comes from when I was actually, before Isla Mania, when I was done with music, I'd taken this five-year break. It was indefinite. I was like, I'm done writing songs, but I want to make, I want to try to make some rap beats. And oh, I want right, to yeah. try to get some, maybe like, Honestly, I wanted MF Doom on this track. At first I was like, oh, Dell, Dell would maybe be good. But yeah, RZA is like another, was another touchstone, um, his production and, and even his, his verses and stuff. But I love, I love RZA's rapping. Yeah, me too. It's, it's not a controversial opinion for some, but for others, they're like, I feel like it gets shortchanged by all the ingenious yeah. production he did, but I think mm-hmm. he, I love his verses. I love them. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Me too. Yeah. So that was the idea was I was like, I'm going to make these, I'm going to make like a big bunch of beats. And I did. And Pelican was one of them. Hmm. And, uh, so I wanted it to be, now I don't know. I would need, I would have needed someone to like bring it into 
that world a little more because it it doesn't have that same. I don't know. Maybe it could have worked. I mean, what what happened was I I made that and then I sang the hook. I wrote the hook, and then I thought. I'll just do a verse here and a verse there, and then suddenly it was an island song. And I brought that to Mike Stroud of Ratatat, he of Ratatat, and he took that demo recording and we just like fleshed it out basically, and he put his magic on it. So, oh, it's great. It's, it's just a standout Thanks. track for me, and I I don't know if anyone else has bothered uh, deigned to ask you about uh, Pelican, but I, I just want to tell you that uh, it's a standout track for me. Thank you. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Now there, a fellow you were collaborating with, uh, to my understanding, is someone who was on this show, I think, last year. Fat Tony. Yeah. I love Fat Tony. He's somewhere yeah. in the mix of what you were just describing in terms of the time period. Is that right? He he is. And we actually recorded a couple songs together. I made a couple beats that he hopped on the track. And they're pretty good. We never released them, but they were kind of cool. I sampled like a J.J. Kale song and then... um something else i forget but he's great he's a wonderful musician and a lovely human and yeah and really hard working guy too very inspirational so yeah and he's he's going to be touring with us too so oh amazing yeah, he, yeah. that was one of my favorite uh interviews uh, that i got to do last year oh was, sweet uh, with fat tony he's great very thoughtful guy and yeah and, and loving like he's just been very nice and generous to me uh subsequent to that so nice you know, you Nick. I, I will say I've met some great people uh, just being in your orbit, so it's nice. Uh, I just want to say you have a good taste. Thank you, Vish. and uh, you 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 find uh, good people. Now, before we wrap up, uh, earlier we were talking about trilogies. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to put this to you because uh, all of us have our favorite trilogies. There's a history of trilogies not working out. Uh, sometimes one and two, unbelievable, knocked it out of the park. Almost every time, that yeah. third one, that can be that can be tricky. Do you have favorite trilogy, as you anticipate, uh. fulfilling this Islands trilogy? I don't mean to put you on the spot. Yeah. Whether it's music, art, movies, uh, are there trilogies that come to mind that you find particularly inspiring? Because uh, I have some. Of course, Rockies 1, 2, 3. Yeah. Can't go wrong there. Yeah. Those 4 are- starts to peter out. Yeah. Superman 3, big bummer. Uh Godfather 3, of course. Right, famously. Infamous. Yeah, famously. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sort of joking here. Do you have any <laughs> any particular th- trilogies that you might draw from for inspiration as you ponder uh, what's next? Well, there's the Neil Young Ditch trilogy where he, after Harvest, he wanted to veer off the, the road and go into the ditch with making some weird records. Yeah, that's um, true. I feel like Bowie and... Uh, Eno had that little run, right, with Low and Heroes and Lodger. Those were good. Ghostbusters, one, two, and three. Just kidding. Um, what happened in the third? <laughs> is there a third one? I don't even remember the third one. What I guess they just the rebooted one? it. I don't know. Oh, yeah, right, right, I right. I guess right, they yeah, did yeah. like a re- reboot. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What? You got any more? No, I just threw a curveball out there to see what you would do with it, and I'm sorry. Okay. I just, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's uh, a Bob Dylan run that probably comes to mind. Yeah. Um, Hot Snakes for me is a big one, those first three records. And they kind of did three and were out and then came back eventually. Do they um, con- did they consider those 
No, probably not. That's, I, 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 that's the thing. You can ascribe yeah. trilogy sometimes. Yeah, it it sure. could be that it, it could be that Neil Young or whoever didn't even think of it that way. But but we are like, no, there's something there. It's the same sessions yeah. or something like, and then they got subdivided or whatever. So I can't think. I'm sure I'm missing some books or something that come to mind. I'm sure there's lots of great trilogies, but. Uh, no, I just asked. I just thought I'd, I'd throw something out there that would flummox both of us. So good, good. work for good work for me. Anyway, and so. later tonight, I'm sure I'll think of the perfect answer and <laughs> send them my way, and yeah. uh, we'll we'll figure it out. Now uh, we've kind of touched upon what's next in, in terms of what you're planning. I saw some pretty uh, extensive touring coming up. Is that right? Yes, month a month a month of touring, thirty two days. You still like uh, the road? Uh, we'll see. You look for? Ask yeah, me on sure. day 32. <laughs> I can't recall. Did you tour hard behind Islamania? No, it, you know, we were still in the, the midst of the COVID epidemic. So I don't think there was much, um, to be done. We did a little runs. We did little coastal runs basically. And then we did Chicago and like the middle parts and we did, but we didn't get up. We the only we only did Montreal and Toronto. So, yeah. but the plan is to to do this tour and and um, I don't know. I don't know. Touring is is a funny one for me. I'm. Uh, um, we'll see. It's expensive okay. now. It's expensive. It's more. Ex- it's more expensive than it used to be. But I used yeah. to find it sort of fun. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, it's fun. It you can tour be fun. managed, right? I tour managed and and toured. Yeah, I've done both. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I've done both, and I like both. I like travel. I just like I used to like just driving around. Yeah. And the show is great, but I kind of just like driving. I think I like visiting places and then leaving. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I like to split. Anyway, all right. So if people want to learn more about your tour, yep. uh, this album, Islands, generally, where would you like to send them on the internet? Uh, I guess islandsareforever.com is a is a good enough place it's really just a it's gonna yeah it'll get you where you gotta go it'll tell you where okay. you gotta go yeah <laughs> it'll tell you all the things you need to know and the record is uh, available now uh so people can uh, pick it up uh, uh nick if we can go out on a song from mm. this record and that's why dolphins lost their legs can you choose one for us and maybe explain why it came to mind well, the first song that popped in when you said that was Too Far Gone, the penultimate track from the record. But maybe, I mean, we might as well just play Pelican because we were talking about Pelican. Don't you think? Sure, we can play that. We can play that. I just want to follow your impulse there. Why you you, you had a song. Too Far Gone. And you pivoted. Yeah. I don't know. Why, why is that? I'm not sure. Well, because I don't know what I would say about it, to be honest. Oh, okay. Other than that, it was the first song made for the record. Uh, it was made with Chris Cody, a producer I worked with in 2009 on Vapors and on one song on Isla Mania. And it was just me and him building out the track. I had, again, extensively demoed it. None of this, these facts are very, really pertinent, but it does feel like kind of an outlier in the record, uh, on the record. And I think in a good way, it has this kind of, um, it has the sound that I think I've, I try to tap into, which is definitely more of a less um, bouncy, I guess, and more more classical, I guess. Hmm. So, so I, I don't know. Right now, that's kind of where my that's one of the songs where I feel most 
proud of, I think. Why don't we why don't we do it? I can give people a little sampling of Pelican right. earlier in the episode. Why don't right. we go with uh, the one that uh, was your impulse? Great, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. This is Too Far Gone uh, by Islands from their great new record, and that's why dolphins lost their legs, which is available now. Nick, thanks to you for being available now and making time for me as you <laughs> tend to do it. it. Always means a lot to me that you do that, and uh, I hope you enjoyed yourself, and I hope we talk again soon. Best of luck in the future. Thanks, Fish. Love chatting with you. Always.
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, it's always fun to get to chat with uh, Nick there. Uh, I think we're, we're sort of similar people. and maybe, uh, maybe that came across a little bit, similar mindsets. and uh, But of course... He's a very talented guy, and I'm uh, just doing my best. Anyway, Nick, thank you so much again for being on this, uh, the 801st episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available just about wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on social media generally, if it exists. We have a Facebook page still. You can follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and Instagram at Vish Khanna. I'm also on Threads and Blue Sky, and there's a YouTube channel for the show if you want to listen to the show that way. Um, yeah, there's lots of th- uh, TikTok, I guess. Oh, man, there's so many things. I don't tend to all of them. Anyway, do your best to keep up with me if you want to. What? Also, please visit uh, patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. $6 or more a month, American, $6 American or more a month, grants you access to exclusive content. You get episodes uh, earlier than everybody else does. If, if you're just like chomping at the bit for new creative control episodes and you want them before everyone else, eh, I got the ticket for you there. And if you're interested in receiving a creative control t-shirt, uh, just message me on Patreon, and I'll get you one while supplies last. I just owe someone uh, a message back about that. I got the shirt he wanted. He wanted a large red shirt. I found it in the basement. Now I'm going to put it in the mail. Anyway, thanks for supporting the show on Patreon. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. All wonderful independent businesses who provide in-kind support for this show and have for many years. I really appreciate it. Thanks, as always, to my uh, dear old friend Jim Guthrie. He lets me use some music that he uh, has written for this show. And you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And last but not least, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Nick from Islands. As you heard, the record is uh, really remarkable. It's really catchy and uh, very pop-oriented, and it doesn't uh, pussyfoot around from some uh, uh, hard truths. And what did Nick say? Fatigue. Uh, I, I, I relate to it. I, I, I relate to the record on a few different levels, and I hope you'll check it out. And I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast or follow it and tell your friends all about it, and maybe they'll do the same. 
And otherwise, I will talk to you very soon. Thanks for your support and for listening. I hope you're well. Bye for now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.